This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Rachel. We're the creators of Plant School. Rachel's going to be teaching me, a plant novice, everything I need to know about plants, plant care, and gardening, all in a way that anyone can understand. Yeah, whether you have never touched a plant or you consider yourself an expert and you want to just learn more, this podcast is for you. And though it sounds simple, there's actually a lot to cover. So what are you waiting for? Join Join us us in in Plant plant School. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 17 of Plant School. Today we will be talking about poinsettias. Poinsettias. Yeah, we should talk about that first. How to say it. How, How do, do you, you say, say it? Oh, I, I don't remember if it's poinsettia. Poinsettia. Point, <laughs> it's poinsettia. just poinsettia. Oh no, no, I can't <laughs> say it. Poinsettia. Poin. Poinsettias. Not poinsettia. No. Poinsettia. Although when I did work at a floral shop, everyone said poinsettias, and that it really be it. threw me for a loop. I wasn't sure what was going on. Didn't you look it up, though, how to pronounce it? I did. I did. And the little pronounce lady on dictionary.com says poinsettia. So. She is the fact checker of Yeah, she's just of the basis all of all the galaxy. Well, poinsettias, you got it. let's start with the history of right. this plant. Very red plant. Yeah, its scientific name is Euphorbia pulcherima, and it comes from, obviously, from its uh, genus that I just said, Euphorbia. But, it uh, comes yeah. <laughs> from the Euphorbiaceae family. And this is kind of, this family is known for having a lot of spurges in it, there's quite a lot of weeds within this family, and it's interesting because the poinsettia was once considered to be a weed. And often, these plants in this family have a milky latex sap. So that's kind of how you can tell one of the telltale signs that's in the Euphorbiaceae family. Moving on, this plant is native to Mexico and Guatemala And though it's commonly said to be a highly toxic plant, it's actually not. It's not dangerous at all. Although like the milky latex sap we just talked about can sometimes cause people to have a rash because often, or there's a large, large majority. I don't know if it's a majority, but a lot of people have an allergic reaction to latex. Do you, Sam? When you put on the latex band-aid? Nope. Well, not Sam. I know I do. I'm immune. You are immune. Um, if you were to rub this sap all over you, it would do nothing. I don't, um, I don't want to find out. <laughs> yeah, me neither. 
It's a common misconception that they are toxic. I looked up some studies on this. When there have been like incidents of people eating them, I don't know how that comes about. How do you like accidentally eat one? I don't know. Trip and fall, and your mouth's wide open when you're falling, and <laughs> maybe, or maybe it's like children who like yank off a leaf and bite it, or adults, yeah, maybe crawling <laughs> by, and <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's talking about animals too. In over ninety-two percent of these cases, these people were completely fine. Those who did show symptoms, they were very mild forms of nauseousness, vomiting, or Na- diarrhea. Nausea, nauseousness. I thought they were the same. I don't know. I'm not sure. I I don't care if it's mild. I hate having vomiting and diarrhea. Yeah. Well, symptoms. you have about less than eight percent of chance if you accidentally trip and fall and eat a poinsettia. Huh. So, well, usually nothing to worry about. That's something to worry about because I have a really high chance of tripping or falling <laughs> we into don't a even, poinsettia. We don't even own one. Well, every time I walk into a store and see one, I <laughs> tend to trip and fall. On them. <laughs> they did some studies to figure out how much, how many leaves you would need to eat to have any like big side effects. And it's estimated that a 50-pound child would have to eat over 500 leaves to have any side effects. I just want to know how they found that. It's like, your kid, start eating these leaves until you start feeling sick. No. This is like 498, 499. Uh, 500, that did it. Don't make me eat anymore. I'm pretty sure they can measure the toxic toxicity yeah yeah in a leaf by either like crushing it or something and measuring it that way but you know back in the day like no they roman would... time they okay when they test the stuff out that way back maybe oh. maybe not that's just that's just cruel <laughs> it's like torture <laughs> we will feed you 501 points <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is why sam isn't in charge of any labs for toxic plants i'm a stats major this is how we do experiments i hope not (laughs) anyways this whole misconception of poinsettias being toxic came from a 1919 urban legend that a two-year-old died after eating 500 leaves (laughs) no just one leaf that's what makes it you leave the room you come back and all your poinsettia leaves are just gone you would need a massive amount of poinsettias (laughs) yeah no need to worry about ever getting sick from these plants even though it is a common thing to hear it is not true which was surprising to me because i feel like i've heard that rumor oh yeah i hear it all the time just on the streets yeah that's all we talk about at work so i mentioned that they were native to mexico and guatemala and other parts of Central America. And so they're actually, in their natural form, they are shrubs or small trees. They can be from anywhere from 2 feet all the way up to 13 feet tall. So they can be pretty massive plants. Back in ancient times with the Aztecs, this was a very important plant for them. They would actually use it for medicinal purposes. So it was an antipyretic. And that means that it was used to treat fevers. It would take down fevers, and they would use that. But it would um, give you diarrhea. 
Only trade the 500. Fever. <laughs> trade the fever for some diarrhea. No, I'd Sam, take... I just told you that they do not uh, cause that. I'd take the fever. No, I so would... Let that, let that be on record. I'd rather have a fever. I would rather eat the plant. I don't know how they would apply it. I don't know if they made you consume it or if it was, you know, applied topically to your skin. I didn't look into that. So you Oh, I was saying I'd rather have the fever instead of diarrhea. I And I just told you <laughs> that you don't have to eat it because I didn't look it up. <laughs> You know what? I was just thinking how I literally don't think we've had a podcast that hasn't talked about poo in some form. And here we are. Not my fault. Uh, Okay, sometimes maybe. You're the one that said it could cause diarrhea. You brought it up. This one, yes, it is my fault. Anyways, back to the Aztecs. They would also use this plant to make a dye for fabric. It was just like a reddish purple dye that they would often use. And how it got its name, it was named after Joel Roberts Poinsett. He was a United States minister to Mexico and also a botanist. And so he was over in Mexico, found this plant. This was back in the 1820s that he brought it back over to the U.S. He brought some cuttings over and started to introduce it to the United States. He died on December 12th, and that is now poinsettia day oh, named after it. joel roberts poinsettia i know I we just no missed idea. it we should have celebrated so sam in a six week six week period is the main time that poinsettias are sold i want you to just take a guess how many do you think are sold in those six weeks no cheating in the world yes two hundred thousand no more Two hundred thousand and one. Okay, never mind. <laughs> so, there's approximately seventy million poinsettias sold. Isn't that crazy? That's yes. insane. Is it like businesses that are buying a bunch of this? Because I don't, I don't feel like <sighs> that many residential. That's a good question. People are buying that much. I know floral shops will use them. I know when I work like conferences, maybe. Yeah, maybe for conferences during this time. So I bet sales are this down time. this year with the pandemic. Yeah, maybe. I I should have looked into that. That would have been interesting to know. But yeah, I know when I worked for a floral shop, we like distributed them all around to our university, to all the different departments. Mm. They would give them poinsettias. Interesting thing about where are those 70 million going? I guess there's a lot of people in the world who love them. What's really cool about this is that 50% of the worldwide market is grown by one company, the Eck family. And honestly, this family was just so fascinating. I think they deserve a whole podcast episode of their own. But I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis of what this family did. Okay, Sam, you ready? Okay. So, 1900, in the year 1900, Albert Eck immigrated from the U.S. to Germany with his family including that included his grandson Paul Eck Jr., who later became known as basically the father of the poinsettia industry. So this family, they moved over to California. I thought it was kind of funny. They moved over because they were vegetarians. And I don't know, from what I read, you know, vegetarianism and Germany didn't really fit well together. It's really hard to grow a whole lot of plants in Germany because of its climate. So they decided to leave and go to California. Hmm. 
They had an orchard, they had a dairy, they dabbled with flowers, and that's kind of when Paul noticed that poinsettias bloom in the winter. He started to call it the Christmas flower, and he was just really smart at marketing and entrepreneurship. He gave away these poinsettias free to TV shows. He gave them to very well-known women's magazines for like their Christmas specials. And at one point, the Eck family controlled 90% of the American poinsettia market. Isn't that crazy? It's like uh, it's like the uh, Carnegie of yeah. the Rockefeller of Basically. poinsettias. Yeah, it's down to 70% now, which is still massive. And this happened, they dropped their ownership of the poinsettia market because a graduate student published an article that described a method for basically causing poinsettias to branch as seedlings. So then other people in the market were able to read this, figure out how the Eck family was making these massive amounts of poinsettias so easily, and competition kind of was bolstered up. Paul Eck Jr., he is deceased. He's no longer around. Like I said earlier, he is still known as the father of the poinsettia industry. His family business was run just by his family for over 100 years, and it was sold in August of 2012, I believe, to a Dutch company called AgroBio Group. Just super interesting that they came over and just like found themselves in this huge industry with just very ingenious marketing skills. The poinsettia market, it contributes about $250 million to the U.S. economy just at a retail level. And it is known, well, it is the best-selling potted plant in the U.S. and Canada just because of the massive amounts during this time of year that it's sold. Wow. Yeah, it's estimated that women account for 80% of those poinsettia sales. No. I know. Not super surprising. I feel like women are more being out there shopping, being the decorators of their homes. I know for us, that's kind of how it is for us. I'm the one buying plants most of the time. Yeah, you buy about 100% of the plants in our house. That makes sense. The poinsettia, it became associated with Christmas because of the time of year that it did bloom, which is right around Thanksgiving, they start to bloom. The bracts, which are these modified leaves that are red, they start to come out. And it's not very many flowers bloom during November and December. That's one reason why it became the Christmas flower. And then also there's a story from 16th century Mexico. There's a legend of a girl commonly named Pepita or Maria, who is too poor to provide a gift for the celebration of Jesus's birth. But she was inspired by an angel to gather weeds from the roadside and place them in front of a church altar. And after she did so, crimson blossoms sprouted from the weeds and became the poinsettia. Yeah, kind of a cool little legend. And then also the star-shaped leaf pattern is said to represent the star of Bethlehem. And this, the red of those, those bracts symbolize the blood of Jesus. So there's a lot of kind of cool stories and, I don't know, kind of a cool industry that surrounds this plant. It's a really cool, not just kind of cool. Thank you. I thought so. <laughs> so are they always bright red? I would say that's most common, but they are not always bright red. 
Um, there are over, I read that there's over a hundred different varieties of poinsettias that are available, which is crazy. That's a lot of colors, but they range from white to pale yellow, pale green to red to burgundy to pink. I would say usually in stores, I only see like the white ones, red and pink. I've only ever seen red. Maybe I've seen them, but I just didn't know they were poinsettias. Probably. Like I said earlier, the colored part, these big, you know, red leaves, they're modified leaves. They're not a flower. The flower is kind of down in the center. It's pretty small. But the purpose of these bracts is to attract in pollinators. So they see these bright red leaves and they come in closer and then they get themselves to the flower. So that's the purpose of them. Oh, and one other thing I wanted to mention about these bracts. The most common question about poinsettias is how do you make them turn red again for next year? How to make them reflower? And this part just kind of makes me laugh because it sounds like such a headache. So Sam, if you have bought a poinsettia mm-hmm. and it's faded and you want it to come back next year, this is what you do. You're going to prune it down to about four inches in height. Uh-huh. You're going to repot it. Yeah. And then in early fall, around October, mm-hmm. you're going to put your poinsettia in a closet or, yeah. <laughs> or cover it with a black plastic bag. Mm. And you're going to do that for 14 hours every single night for uh, 10 weeks. Oh. And you're going to take it out during the day. How much do poinsettias cost? I don't know. They are not that expensive, though. I feel like they're like $15, maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll do $15 rather than 14 yeah, hours. Yeah, see, that's, that's what I feel. Yeah, that's how I feel. I'm like, holy cow, who is the, the stamina? No wonder it's a booming industry. Yeah. Every year, people are like, I'd rather just replace it than have to yeah. stick it in a closet for 14 hours every day. Yeah, and that's the thing. So if you aren't super, what's the word? Not like studious. Diligent. Diligent, thank you. If you aren't super diligent about covering it for 14 hours every night for 10 weeks, and like say you like turn on some lights and your poinsettia is getting some of that light, it will delay the blooming. Like it is that touchy. The reason that this happens is because there's a mechanism called photoperiodism that is going on. So this plant requires darkness of that time period, the 14 hours each night for 10 weeks to change its color, to reflower. Once once it's done with that and it has rebloomed, then you're fine. It can have abundant light, doesn't matter. But yeah, to get it to reflower, have those bracts turn back red is kind of a crazy process. Jeez. So if you want to, go for it. But like for me... I have kids. I don't want to be putting a plant in and out of a closet every day. I feel like I would forget. Yeah, what about traveling? Could you not travel? Unless you had like a motorized <laughs> like skateboard it was on to bring it out yeah. each night or something. <laughs> I see just fork over 15 bucks for a new one. Yeah, exactly. With it being kind of a more difficult plant to take care of is it a delicate or is it a hardy plant like is how it much deli- can it take yeah like how much can it take with needing yeah. that much care so unfortunately from everything that i was reading about this plant it is pretty delicate that like includes its roots its leaves the bracts it can break off easily at certain points humidity can help 
the bracts last longer, so they'll they'll stay red longer if you have a red one. So I would suggest if you want it to last longer, you can set it on a pebble tray to kind of help with that humidity. Not enough humidity can cause the leaves to go yellow and drop. And something that I thought was interesting going along with this is that it actually kind of hates cold drafts and it hates hot air which are like two things that happen in winter, you know, like you have a heater going or it's cold outside. <laughs> so it's unfortunate that it is known as a Christmas plant. I guess down in Mexico and Guatemala, it doesn't really matter what time of year it is because they're more along the equator. But like for here in the States, um, that can be a problem for it. So you want to keep it away from cold windows. You want to keep it away from your heater if it's cold too long, it will kill it. It just needs a consistent temperature. So I guess we'll just go through the common questions for every houseplant we talk about. Uh-huh. Temperature we already kind of talked about. So what about its lighting needs? Yeah, so it needs bright and direct sunlight. It can tolerate some direct light, but not like a crazy, crazy amount or else it can you know, cause it to start to go yellow, maybe drop some leaves. Watering, how, what do you, how much water does do these things need? You're going to just want to let your soil dry between waterings. I always preach, check the soil before you water your plant. For the poinsettia, make sure like the top one to two inches are dry before you give it any water. If it gets way too dry, the leaves will start to yellow and drop. But if you're watering it way too much, it is susceptible to root rot. I would suggest, because like poinsettias, they come in like that crinkly, um, decorative plastic foil. Take that off so that it its drainage holes can work and it has a place to drain. If you do keep that on and you water it way too much, it could just be sitting in its own water. If you're really good at watering, you can keep it on. They are kind of pretty, but just be aware that by keeping it on, water could be sitting at the bottom and cause root rot. Root rot. What am I saying? Root rot. (laughs) Root rot for your poinsettia. Okay, and last one. Actually, before we do this last one, what about soil? Is there a specific kind of soil that... Yeah, that's a good question. So... Yeah, I did mention repotting it. Was that for... Oh, yeah, that was to make it reflower. You have to repot it. You can just use normal, like, all-purpose potting soil. It doesn't really need, like, the sandy succulent mixture for good drainage. From what I've read, just an all-purpose potting soil will work just fine. And then do you need to worry about fertilizing? For the poinsettia, I believe you do. And you would want to be fertilizing in kind of its growing season. So before, if you are going to make it reflower, you're going to want to do it beforehand. So maybe in October, but I would say only like one to two times per year. That's for people who are sticking it in and out of the closet though, right? Yeah, exactly. So most people are just going to be buying it late November, early December, I mean, like, you can make it a low-maintenance plant and you don't have to stick it in and out of your closet in October and it just won't reflower. Like, it'll still be, like, a a nice poinsettia with just no red bracts on it. If you're wanting to make sure that everything, like, is good for it to reflower, I would say fertilize one to two times a year. Gotcha. Yeah. And then uh, propagation, last one. How do you propagate? 
So you can propagate it via stem cuttings, and that's kind of how, oh, what was his name, Paul Eck? Yeah, Paul yeah. Eck Jr. did that whole thing was via stem cuttings. He had operations, I believe, down in Mexico, or maybe it, it was Guatemala. So it was in like a great climate for it. So you can do this at home by getting a stem cutting. You're just going to cut the stem with a few leaves. And like I said at the very beginning, how it has that milky latex sap, you're going to want to just run it through water so that washes away and it will stop flowing out eventually. It's just like when you first cut it, it kind of pops right out. Wash that away, the latex sap. And then you can go ahead and place it into some soil. And yeah, just take care of it how you would a normal poinsettia and it should start growing. Hmm. Yeah. Easy enough. How to make it branch like Paul Eck Jr. did. I do not know. I tried to find that grad student's published paper and I could not find it. So if someone, Hmm, I don't know, if someone else can find it, let me know. Fishy, fishy. That leaked paper. No, I don't think it was leaked. I think just the grad student figured it out and let the whole industry know. I'm sure the X were thrilled. (laughs) You know, I think they're doing just fine. It sounds like they had a very successful company going there. So, All right. Well, is there anything else? Any other fun facts? I think that was it. I think you expended me on all my fun facts. I think I told them all. Super interesting to do research on. I didn't realize how much history this plant had behind it. Kind of cool to learn about. Yeah. Thanks for doing all that research for everyone and for putting together another podcast episode. Of course, of course. I love it. And thank you for listening. And we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow our podcast on Anchor, Spotify, or Pocket Cast. Also, you can follow us at Tinny Plants on Instagram, Pinterest, or YouTube. Once again, that's Tenny Plants, T-E-N-N-E-Y Plants. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcast episodes, email us at tennyplants at gmail.com. Or if you're on YouTube, go ahead and comment below and don't forget to like and subscribe. See you next time.